Welcome to the Tanakh Podcast. Today, Yishayahu Perek Chaftet, Chapter 29. When I read Chapter 29, I ask myself whether it was even possible for Yeshayahu to be successful. We're going to see a chapter, chapter 29, which seems to be uh, delivered in the direct prelude to the Assyrian advance on Jerusalem. Let me give you the bare bones. The Assyrians went around Judah, destroying 46 walled cities. Then they advanced on Jerusalem and besieged Jerusalem. And then, God saved Jerusalem with a miracle. Now let's remember that this is a period in which people are following God. King Hezekiah, King Chizkiyahu is God-fearing. People, as we saw in the first chapter of Yeshayahu, are actually bringing sacrifices in the temple. They're worshipping God, they're serving God. And in Jerusalem, as we will see in our our next couple of chapters, there are really two factions. One faction says, peace now, make peace with Ashur. That was the policy of Achaz, Chizkiyahu's father, make peace with Assyria. And that was rejected by Chizkiyahu. The second one is, not peace now, but war now. <laughs> let's make an alliance with Egypt and let's fight Assyria. Let's create a, a, a force of, of nations and let's rebuff this, uh, this foreign attack. And of course, Yishayahu says that none of this is going to work, that what we need to do is have faith in God, that we have to wait it out, that after the great apocalypse and the great attack, there will become a time of renewal. Um, did anybody listen to Yishayahu? Well, that is indeed the topic of our chapter today. The chapter opens with a new name for Jerusalem, Ariel. Hoi, Ariel, Ariel, Kiryat Chana David. Woe to you, Ariel, Ariel, the city in which David camped. What is this name, Ariel? So, first of all, we should know that in the book of Yechezkel, uh, the altar in Jerusalem is called Ariel. The, the, the Gemara, the Mishnah, even talks about how the temple somehow looked alike, the way it looked with a, a very large front and a sort of smaller back, that the temple looked like a, a, a an Ari, a lion crouching. And of course, we might remember that uh, the symbol of Shevet Yehuda is Gor Aryeh Yehuda. So might it be that the word Ariel comes from Aryeh and that somehow it relates to maybe the shape of the temple, maybe the fact that the temple is in the tribe of Yehuda, or possibly even the notion that the Mizbeach, well, what do you put on the Mizbeach? A huge amount of meat, a huge amount of, um, of flesh. And of course, then the Mizbeach, as we said in Yechezkel, uh, becomes an Ariel, right? The lion of God consuming the meat of God. One of the most in interesting interpretations of the word Ariel says that the term Ari um, in, is actually an Akkadian form, 
which is is a transition of the word Yeru. In other words, uh, Yerushalayim is called Ariel. It really means Yireel, God will see. And if you remember with the Akedah, we had the same, the, the name that he called the name of the place Hashem Yira'eh, because that is the place Bahar Hashem Yira'eh. God will be seen on the mountain. The idea being that Ariel is maybe a combination of the word of Yira'el, maybe fearing God, maybe seeing God, that the, 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 that the temple is a place in which God is seen, um, in which God is feared. That is the name Ariel. So what is our chapter going to say to Ariel? Safu shana al shana, wait a year and another year, chagim in kofu, let the chagim go past, in other words, go through two cycles, and then vatsikotila Ariel, I'll harass Ariel, vahaita ta'ania va'ania. This phrase ta'ania va'ania means, means mourning, means a sense of, um, of, of woe, and uh, we even have this phrase in 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 Eicha. And what's going to happen then? I'm going to create a circuit around you, a kador, a circuit. I'm going to establish camps who are going to encircle you and besiege you. You're going to have a matzor, a siege. And um, you're going to the Eretz to Daberi. You're going to talk in a low voice because you're going to be so suppressed, so low. You're even going to be lower than the earth. But then, suddenly, he says, your enemies are going to fly off. All of your enemies are going to suddenly be like dust, blown away, or chomots are there. And like the chaff, they're going to fly. And suddenly, in an instant, they're going to go away. Like, like, like a thunderstorm in the middle of the summer. It's going to come out of nowhere. A sort of a, a tempest, a, a, a storm. And it'll be like a dream, that attack of all the enemies, who come as armies against Ariel, they're all, they're all going to disappear. <laughs> it'll be like somebody who's hungry, uh, wants to eat, and they wake up in the morning, they've been dreaming about food, but they're still, still hungry. It's like it never was. Likewise, the attack on Jerusalem won't be. Now, who 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 could ever believe such a nevuah? Yeshayahu is prophesying what really did happen, but you know sometimes reality is stranger than fiction. Who would imagine a huge assault on Jerusalem and then the enemy should simply disappear? The enemy should simply fizzle away, evaporate. Now that's indeed what happened. So you sort of wonder how anybody is going to really believe Yeshayahu. And this is where we come to the most amazing psukim here, which talk about how um, the notion of the Nevi'e HaSheker, because there are other prophets in Jerusalem and they're, they're not prophesying this. He says, tamahu. you're going to be shocked by this. You're going to be stupefied. You're going to look like you're drunk without any wine, because you just won't believe it happened. 
And now he says, Ki Hashem ruach because God has sort of put you into a, st- a slumber. He's covered the eyes of both your political leaders and your prophets. And I and I love the next verse, verse 11. And the prophecy will now appear to you. Imagine somebody gives you a book and you simply can't read it. It's in a language you don't understand. So it'll be like a sealed book, a sealed letter. That they will give it to somebody who can read. Read it, please. And he says, I can't read it. It's simply, it's sealed. I, I can't read it. So it's going to give it to people who don't even know how to read. And they're just going to say, you know, I can't understand it. And the last line that I want to relate to is, These people, they do honor me. They honor me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips. In other words, they pray to me. But their hearts are distant from me. And their fear of me is, A a sort of religion, which is a religion by rote. And I read these lines, and what, what he's saying is, he's the, the prophet, the true prophet, Yeshayahu, who we know was correct, is giving preposterous predictions. Anybody who's you know understands uh, the ways of the world would think that this is absolutely absurd. And what he's actually telling us is that the people are religious, that the prophets are saying, no. They, this can't be. There are false prophets in town who are saying, keep on with the religion. Keep all your halachot. Go to shul three times a day and eat kosher and learn Torah and everything will be all right. And Ishayahu is preaching something which is almost like a closed book. It's a book that even those people who can read can't understand. And this leaves me with a very, very puzzling feeling about really what does God expect? What does God expect of the Jews in Jerusalem at this point? Should they have understood? Should they have known to heed Yeshayahu's words? Or maybe Yeshayahu is really talking to the king and the king has an obligation to listen to the prophet. Maybe the king should have had extra faith. I really don't know, but when I read through this chapter, it sort of intensifies my uh, bewilderment. Uh, my wondering about how exactly would it be that people would believe the words of Ishayahu. And it seems almost, you know, obvious that people are going to find the things that he say very, very difficult to absorb. That's it for today. See you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.